chapter four part four of the life of washington volume five by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four part four measures of hostility adopted by the american government against france in congress vigorous measures were adopted for retaliating injuries which had been sustained and for repelling those which were threatened amongst these was a regular army a regiment of artillerists and engineers was added to the permanent establishment and the president was authorized to raise twelve additional regiments of infantry and one regiment of cavalry to serve during the continuance of the existing differences with the french republic if not sooner discharged he was also authorized to appoint officers for a provisional army and to receive an organized volunteer corps who would be exempt from ordinary militia duty but neither the volunteers nor the officers of the provisional army were to receive pay unless called into actual service addresses to the executive from every part of the united states attested the high spirit of the nation and the answers of the president were well calculated to give it solidity and duration no sooner had a war become probable to the perils of which no man could be insensible than the eyes of all were directed to general washington as the person who should command the american army he alone could be seen at the head of a great military force without exciting jealousy he alone could draw into public service and arrange properly the best military talents of the nation and he more than any other could induce the utmost exertions of its physical strength indignant at the unprovoked injuries which had been heaped upon his country and convinced that the conflict should a war be really prosecuted by france with a view to conquest would be extremely severe and could be supported on the part of america only by a persevering exertion of all her force he could not determine should such a crisis arrive to withhold those aids which it might be in his power to afford should public opinion really attach to his services that importance which would render them essential his own reflections appear to have resulted in a determination not to refuse once more to take the field provided he could be permitted to secure efficient aid by naming the chief officers of the army and to remain at home until his service in the field should be required by actual invasion a confidential and interesting letter from colonel hamilton of the nineteenth of may on political subjects concludes with saying you ought also to be aware my dear sir that in the event of an open rupture with france the public voice will again call you to command the armies of your country and though all who are attached to you will from attachment as well as public considerations deplore an occasion which should once more tear you from that repose to which you have so good a right yet it is the opinion of all those with whom i converse that you will be compelled to make the sacrifice all your past labors may demand to give them efficacy this further this very great sacrifice you may be assured said general washington in reply that my mind is deeply impressed with the present situation of public affairs and not a little agitated by the outrageous conduct of france 
towards the united states and at the inimitable conduct of those partisans who aid and abet her measures you may believe further from assurances equally sincere that if there was anything in my power to be done consistently to avert or lessen the danger of the crisis it should be rendered with hand and heart but my dear sir dark as matters appear at present and expedient as it is to be prepared for the worst that can happen and no man is more disposed to this measure than i am i cannot make up my mind yet for the expectation of open war or in other words for a formidable invasion by france i cannot believe although i think her capable of anything that she will attempt to do more than she has done when she perceives the spirited policy of this country rising into resistance and that she has falsely calculated upon support from a large part of the people to promote her views and influence in it she will desist even from those practices unless unexpected events in europe or the acquisition of louisiana and the florida should induce her to continue them and i believe further that although the leaders of their party in this country will not change their sentiments they will be obliged to change their plan or the mode of carrying it on the effervescence which is appearing in all quarters and the desertion of their followers will frown them into silence at least for a while if i did not view things in this light my mind would be infinitely more disquieted than it is for if a crisis should arrive when a sense of duty or a call for my country should become so imperious as to leave me no choice i should prepare for relinquishment and go with as much reluctance from my present peaceful abode as i should go to the tombs of my ancestors the opinion that prudence required preparations for open war and that general washington must once more be placed at the head of the american armies strengthened every day and on the twenty second of june the president addressed him a letter in which that subject was thus alluded to in forming an army whenever i must come to that extremity i am at an immense loss whether to call out the old generals or to appoint a young set if the french come here we must learn to march with a quick step and to attack for in that way only they are said to be vulnerable i must tax you sometimes for advice we must have your name if you will in any case permit us to use it there will be more efficacy in it than in many an army a letter from the secretary of war written four days afterwards concludes with asking may we flatter ourselves that in a crisis so awful and important you will accept the command of all our armies i hope you will because you alone can unite all hearts and all hands if it is possible that they can be united these letters reached general washington on the same day the following extract from his reply to the president will exhibit the course of his reflections relative to his appearance once more at the head of the american armies at the epoch of my retirement and invasion of these states by any european power or even the probability of such an event in my days was so far from being contemplated by me that i had no conception either that or any other occurrence would arise in so short a period which could turn my eyes from the shades of mount vernon but this seems to be the age of wonders and it is reserved for intoxicated and lawless france for purposes of providence far beyond the reach of human ken to slaughter her own citizens 
and to disturb the repose of all the world besides from a view of the past from the prospect of the present and of that which seems to be expected it is not easy for me to decide satisfactorily on the part it might best become me to act in case of actual invasion by a formidable force i certainly should not entrench myself under the cover of age and retirement if my services should be required by my country to assist in repelling it and if there be good cause to expect such an event which certainly must be better known to the government than to private citizens delay in preparing for it may be dangerous improper and not to be justified by prudence the uncertainty however of the latter in my mind creates my embarrassment for i can not bring it to believe regardless as the french are of treaties and of the laws of nations incapable as i conceive them to be of any species of despotism and injustice that they will attempt to invade this country after such a uniform and unequivocal expression of the determination of the people in all parts to oppose them with their lives and fortunes that they have been led to believe by their agents and partisans among us that we are a divided people that the latter are opposed to their own government and that the show of a small force would occasion a revolt i have no doubt and how far these men grown desperate will further attempt to deceive and may succeed in keeping up the deception is problematical without that the folly of the directory in such an attempt would i conceive be more conspicuous if possible than their wickedness having with candour made this disclosure of the state of my mind it remains only for me to add that to those who knew me best it is best known that should imperious circumstances induce me to exchange once more the smooth paths of retirement for the thorny ways of public life at a period too when repose is more congenial to nature it would be productive of sensations which can be more easily conceived than expressed his letter to the secretary of war was more detailed and more explicit it cannot he said be necessary for me to promise to you or to others who know my sentiments that to quit the tranquillity of retirement and enter the boundless field of responsibility would be productive of sensations which a better pen than i possess would find it difficult to describe nevertheless the principle by which my conduct has been actuated through life would not suffer me in any great emergency to withhold any services i could render when required by my country especially in a case where its dearest rights are assailed by lawless ambition and intoxicated power in contempt of every principle of justice and in violation of solemn compact and of laws which govern all civilized nations and this too with the obvious intent to sow thick the seeds of disunion for the purpose of subjugating our government and destroying our independence and happiness under circumstances like these accompanied by an actual invasion of our territory it would be difficult for me at any time to remain an idle spectator under the plea of age or retirement with sorrow it is true i should quit the shades of my peaceful abode and the ease and happiness i now enjoy to encounter anew the turmoils of war to which possibly my strength and powers might be found incompetent these however should not be stumbling-blocks in my own way but there are other things highly important for me to ascertain and settle before i could give a definite answer to your question first the propriety 
in the opinion of the public so far as that opinion has been expressed in conversation of my appearing again on the public theatre after declaring the sentiments i did in my valedictory address of september seventeen ninety six secondly a conviction in my own breast from the best information that can be obtained that it is the wish of my country that its military force should be committed to my charge and thirdly that the army now to be formed should be so appointed as to afford a well-grounded hope of its doing honour to the country and credit to him who commands it in the field on each of these heads you must allow me to make observations general washington then proceeded to detail his sentiments on those points on which his consent to take command of the army must depend general washington appointed commander-in-chief of the american army some casual circumstances delayed the reception of the letters of the president and secretary of war for several days in consequence of which before the answer of general washington reached the seat of government the president had nominated him to the chief command of all the armies raised or to be raised in the united states with the rank of lieutenant-general and the senate had unanimously advised and consented to his appointment by the secretary of war who was directed to wait upon him with his commission the president addressed to him the following letter mr mchenry the secretary of war will have the honour to wait on you in my behalf to impart to you a step i have ventured to take which i should have been happy to have communicated in person had such a journey at this time been in my power my reasons for this measure will be too well known to need any explanation to the public every friend and every enemy of america will comprehend them at first blush to you sir i owe all the apology i can make the urgent necessity i am in of your advice and assistance indeed of your conduct and direction of the war is all i can urge and that is a sufficient justification to myself and to the world i hope it will be so considered by yourself mr mchenry will have the honour to consult you upon the organization of the army and upon everything relating to it open instructions signed by the president were on the same day delivered to the secretary of war of which the following is a copy it is my desire that you embrace the first opportunity to set out on your journey to mount vernon and wait on general washington with the commission of lieutenant-general and commander-in-chief of the armies of the united states which by the advice and consent of the senate has been signed by me the reasons and motives which prevailed on me to venture on such a step as the nomination of this great and illustrious character whose voluntary resignation alone occasioned my introduction to the office i now hold were too numerous to be detailed in this letter and are too obvious and important to escape the observation of any part of america or europe but as it is a movement of great delicacy it will require all your address to communicate the subject in a manner that shall be inoffensive to his feelings and consistent with all the respect that is due from me to him if the general should decline the appointment all the world will be silent and respectfully acquiesce if he should accept it all the world except the enemies of his country will rejoice if he should come to no decisive determination but take the subject into consideration i shall not appoint any other lieutenant-general until his conclusion is known his advice in the formation of a list of officers would be extremely desirable to me the names of lincoln morgan knox hamilton gates pinckney lee carrington han muhlenberg dayton burr brooks cobb smith as well as the present commander-in-chief may be mentioned to him and any others that occur to you particularly 
i wish to have his opinion on the men most suitable for inspector-general adjutant-general and quartermaster-general his opinion on all subjects would have great weight and i wish you to obtain from him as much of his reflections upon the times and the service as you can the communications between general washington and the secretary of war appear to have been full and unreserved the impressions of the former respecting the critical and perilous situation of his country had previously determined him to yield to the general desire and accept the commission offered him provided he could be permitted to select for the high departments of the army and especially for the military staff those in whom he could place the greatest confidence being assured that there was every reason to believe his wishes in this respect would not be thwarted he gave to the secretary the arrangements which he would recommend for the principal stations in the army and on the thirteenth of july addressed the following letter to the president i had the honor on the evening of the eleventh instant to receive from the hands of the secretary at war your favor of the seventh announcing that you had with the advice and consent of the senate appointed me lieutenant-general and commander-in-chief of the armies raised or to be raised for the service of the united states i cannot express how greatly affected i am at this new proof of public confidence and at the highly flattering manner in which you have been pleased to make the communication at the same time i must not conceal from you my earnest wish that the choice had fallen upon a man less declined in years and better qualified to encounter the usual vicissitudes of war you know sir what calculations i had made relative to the probable course of events on my retiring from office and the determination with which i had consoled myself of closing the remnant of my days in my present peaceful abode you will therefore be at no loss to conceive and appreciate the sensations i must have experienced to bring my mind to any conclusion that would pledge me at so late a period of life to leave scenes i sincerely love to enter upon the boundless field of public action incessant trouble and high responsibility it was not possible for me to remain ignorant of or indifferent to recent transactions the conduct of the directory of france towards our country their insidious hostility to its government their various practices to withdraw the affections of the people from it the evident tendency of their arts and those of their agents to countenance and invigorate opposition their disregard of solemn treaties and the laws of nations their war upon our defenceless commerce their treatment of our ministers of peace and their demands amounting to tribute could not fail to excite in me sentiments corresponding with those my countrymen have so generally expressed in their affectionate addresses to you believe me sir no man can more cordially approve the wise and prudent measures of your administration they ought to inspire universal confidence and will no doubt combined with the state of things call from congress such laws and means as will enable you to meet the full force and extent of the crisis satisfied therefore that you have sincerely wished and endeavoured to avert war and exhausted to the last drop the cup of reconciliation we can with pure hearts appeal to heaven for the justice of our cause and may confidently trust the final result to that kind providence who has heretofore and so often signally favoured the people of the united states thinking in this manner and feeling how incumbent it is upon every person of every description to contribute at all times to his country's welfare and especially in a moment like the present when everything we hold dear and sacred is so seriously threatened i have finally determined to accept the commission of commander-in-chief of the armies of the united states with a reserve only that i shall not be called into the field until the army is in a situation 
to require my presence or it becomes indispensable by the urgency of circumstances in making this reservation i beg it to be understood that i do not mean to withhold any assistance to arrange and organize the army which you may think i can afford i take the liberty also to mention that i must decline having my acceptance considered as drawing after it any immediate charge upon the public or that i can receive any emoluments annexed to the appointment before i am in a situation to incur expense from this period general washington intermingled the cares and attentions of office with his agricultural pursuits his solicitude respecting the organization of an army which he might possibly re be required to lead against an enemy the most formidable in the world was too strong to admit of his being inattentive to its arrangements yet he never did believe that an invasion of the united states would actually take place his conviction that it was not the interest of france to wage an unprovoked war with america and that the hostile measures which the executive directory had adopted originated in the opinion that those measures would overthrow the administration and place power in the hands of those who had uniformly supported all the pretensions of the french republic remained unshaken as a necessary consequence of this conviction he was persuaded that the indignation which this system had excited would effect its change the only circumstance that weakened this hope arose from the persevering opposition which was still maintained in congress and from the evidence which was daily afforded that those party animosities to which he ascribed the present dangerous crisis were far from being healed those who had embraced the cause of france in the controversy between that nation and the united states had been overwhelmed by a flood of testimony which silenced them for a time but which weakened them more in appearance than in reality they were visibly recovering both strength and confidence it is not therefore wonderful that general washington should have expressed himself more freely than had been his custom respecting american parties and that he should have exerted an influence which he had not been in the habit of employing to induce men whose talents he respected but who had declined political life to enter into the national and state legislatures events soon demonstrated that he had not calculated unreasonably on the effects of the spirit manifested by his country although america supplicating for peace had been spurned with contempt although the executive directory had rejected with insult her repeated and sincere prayers to be permitted to make explanations and had haughtily demanded a concession of their arrogant and unfounded claims or the advance of pecuniary aids as a preliminary to negotiation american arms was treated with some respect indirect pacific overtures were made and a willingness on the part of france to accommodate the existing differences on reasonable terms was communicated seventeen ninety nine the president truly solicitous to restore that harmony and good understanding which the united states had labored so incessantly and so sincerely to preserve with their ancient ally caught at the overtures which were indirectly made and again appointed three envoys extraordinary and ministers plenipotentiary to the french republic these gentlemen found the government in the hands of a person who had taken no part in those transactions which had embroiled the two countries and who entered into negotiations with them which terminated in the amicable adjustment of differences general washington did not live to witness the restoration of peace his death on friday the thirteenth of december while attending to some improvements upon his estate he was exposed to a light rain by which his neck and hair became wet 
not apprehending danger from this circumstance he passed the afternoon in his usual manner but in the night was seized with an inflammatory affection of the windpipe the disease commenced with a violent ague concomitant with some pain in the upper and fore part of the throat a sense of stricture in the same part a cough and a difficult rather than a painful deglutition which were soon succeeded by fever and a quick and laborious respiration believing bloodletting to be necessary he procured a bleeder who took from his arm twelve or fourteen ounces of blood but he would not permit a messenger to be dispatched for his family physician until the appearance of day about eleven in the morning dr Crake arrived and perceiving the extreme danger of the case requested that two consulting physicians should be immediately sent for the utmost exertions of medical skill were applied in vain the powers of life were manifestly yielding to the force of the disorder speaking which was painful from the beginning became almost impracticable respiration became more and more contracted and imperfect until half-past eleven on saturday night when retaining the full possession of his intellect he expired without a struggle believing at the commencement of this complaint as well as through every succeeding stage of it that his conclusion would be mortal he submitted to the exertions made for his recovery rather as a duty than from any expectation of their efficacy some hours before his death after repeated efforts to be understood he succeeded in expressing a desire that he might be permitted to die without interruption after it became impossible to get anything down his throat he undressed himself and went to bed there to die to his friend and physician dr Crake, who sat on his bed and took his head in his lap he said with difficulty doctor i am dying and have been dying for a long time but i am not afraid to die during the short period of his illness he economized his time in arranging with the utmost serenity those few concerns which required his attention and anticipated his approaching dissolution with every demonstration of that equanimity for which his life was so uniformly and singularly conspicuous the deep and wide-spreading grief occasioned by this melancholy event assembled a great concourse of people for the purpose of paying the last tribute of respect to the first of americans his body attended by military honors and the ceremonies of religion was deposited in the family vault at mount vernon on wednesday the eighteenth of december so short was his illness that at the seat of government the intelligence of his death preceded that of his indisposition it was first communicated by a passenger in the stage to an acquaintance whom he met in the street and the report quickly reached the house of representatives which was then in session the utmost dismay and affliction was displayed for a few minutes after which a member stated in his place the melancholy information which had been received this information he said was not certain but there was too much reason to believe it true after receiving intelligence he added of a national calamity so heavy and afflicting the house of representatives can be but ill-fitted for public business he therefore moved an adjournment both houses adjourned until the next day on the succeeding day as soon as the orders were read the same member addressed the chair in the following terms the melancholy event which was yesterday announced with doubt has been rendered but too certain our washington is no more the hero the patriot and the sage of america the man on whom in times of danger every eye was turned and all hopes were placed lives now only in his own great actions and in the hearts of an affectionate and afflicted people if sir it had even not been usual openly to testify respect for the memory of those whom heaven has selected as its instruments for dispensing good to man yet such has been the uncommon worth and such the extraordinary incidents 
which have marked the life of him whose loss we all deplore that the whole american nation impelled by the same feelings would call with one voice for a public manifestation of that sorrow which is so deep and so universal more than any other individual and as much as to one individual was possible has he contributed to found this our wide-spreading empire and to give to the western world independence and freedom having effected the great object for which he was placed at the head of our armies we have seen him convert the sword into the ploughshare and sink the soldier into the citizen when the debility of our federal system had become manifest and the bonds which interconnected this vast continent were dissolving we have seen him the chief of those patriots who formed for us a constitution which by preserving the union will i trust substantiate and perpetuate those blessings which our revolution had promised to bestow in obedience to the general voice of his country calling him to preside over a great people we have seen him once more quit the retirement he loved and in a season more stormy and tempestuous than war itself with calm and wise determination pursue the true interests of the nation and contribute more than any other could contribute to the establishment of that system of policy which will i trust yet preserve our peace our honour and our independence having been twice unanimously chosen the chief magistrate of a free people we have seen him at a time when his re-election with universal suffrage could not be doubted afford to the world a rare instance of moderation by withdrawing from his high station to the peaceful walks of private life however the public confidence may change and the public affections fluctuate with respect to others with respect to him they have in war and in peace in public and in private life been as steady as his own firm mind and as constant as his own exalted virtues let us then mr speaker pay the last tribute of respect and affection to our departed friend let the grand council of the nation display those sentiments which the nation feels for this purpose i hold in my hand some resolutions which i take the liberty of offering to the house the resolutions after a preamble stating the death of general washington were in the following terms resolved that this house were weighed on the president in condolence of this mournful event resolved that this speaker's chair be shrouded with black and that the members and officers of the house wear black during the session resolved that a committee in conjunction with one from the senate be appointed to consider on the most suitable manner of paying honour to the memory of the man first in war first in peace and first in the hearts of his fellow-citizens immediately after the passage of these resolutions a written message was received from the president accompanying a letter from mr lear which he said will inform you that it had pleased divine providence to remove from this life our excellent fellow-citizen george washington by the purity of his life and a long series of services to his country rendered illustrious to the world it remains for an affectionate and grateful people in whose hearts he can never die to pay suitable honour to his memory to the speaker and members of the house of representatives who waited on him in pursuance of the resolution which has been mentioned he expressed the same deep-felt and affectionate respect for the most illustrious and beloved personage america had ever produced the senate on this melancholy occasion addressed to the president the following letter the senate of the united states respectfully take leave sir to express to you their deep regret for the loss of their country sustains in the death of general george washington this event so distressing to all our fellow-citizens must be peculiarly heavy to you who have been long been associated with him in deeds of patriotism 
permit us sir to mingle our tears with yours on this occasion it is manly to weep to lose such a man at such a crisis is no common calamity to the world our country mourns a father the almighty disposer of human events has taken from us our greatest benefactor and ornament it becomes us to submit with reverence to him who maketh darkness his pavilion with patriotic pride we review the life of our washington and compare him with those of other countries who have been pre-eminent in fame ancient and modern names are diminished before him greatness and guilt have too often been allied but his fame is wider than it is brilliant the destroyers of nations stood abashed at the majesty of his virtues it reproved the intemperance of their ambition and darkened the splendor of victory the scene is closed and we are no longer anxious lest misfortune should sully his glory he has travelled on to the end of his journey incurred with him an increasing weight of honor he has deposited it safely where misfortune cannot tarnish it where malice cannot blast it favored of heaven he departed without exhibiting the weakness of humanity magnanimous in death the darkness of the grave could not obscure his brightness such was the man whom we deplore thanks to god his glory is consummated washington yet lives on earth in his spotless example his spirit is in heaven let his countrymen consecrate the memory of the heroic general the patriotic statesman and the virtuous sage let them teach their children never to forget that the fruits of his labors and example are their inheritance to this address the president returned the following answer i receive with the most respectful and affectionate sentiments in this impressive address the obliging expressions of your regret for the loss our country has sustained in the death of her most esteemed beloved and admired citizen in the multitude of my thoughts and recollections on this melancholy event you will permit me to say that i have seen him in the days of adversity in some of the scenes of his deepest distress and most trying perplexities i have also attended him in his highest elevation and most prosperous felicity with uniform admiration of his wisdom moderation and constancy among all our original associates in that memorable league of this continent in seventeen seventy four which first expressed the sovereign will of a free nation in america he was the only one remaining in the general government although with a constitution more enfeebled than his at an age when he thought it necessary to prepare for retirement i feel myself alone bereaved of my last brother yet i derive a strong consolation from the unanimous disposition which appears in all ages and classes to mingle their sorrows with mine on this common calamity to the world the life of our washington cannot suffer by comparison with those of other countries who have been most celebrated and exalted by fame the attributes and decorations of royalty could only have served to eclipse the majesty of those virtues which made him from being a modest citizen a more resplendent luminary misfortune had he lived could the hereafter have sullied his glory only with those superficial minds who believing that characters and actions are marked by success alone rarely deserve to enjoy it malice could never blast his honor and envy made him a singular exception to her universal rule for himself he had lived long enough to life and to glory for his fellow-citizens if their prayers could have been answered he would have been immortal for me his departure is at a most unfortunate moment trusting however in the wise and righteous dominion of providence over the passions of men and the results of their counsels and actions as well as over their lives nothing remains for me but humble resignation his example is now complete 
and it will teach wisdom and virtue to magistrates citizens and men not only in the present age but in future generations as long as our history shall be read if a trajan found a pliny a marcus aurelius can never want biographers eulogists or historians the joint committee which had been appointed to devise the mode by which the nation should express its feelings on this melancholy occasion reported the following resolutions that a marble monument be erected by the united states of the city of washington and that the family of general washington be requested to permit his body to be deposited under it and that the monument be so designed as to commemorate the great events of his military and political life that there be a funeral procession from congress hall to the german lutheran church in memory of general washington on thursday the twenty sixth instant and that an oration be prepared at the request of congress to be delivered before both houses on that day and that the president of the senate and speaker of the house of representatives be desired to request one of the members of congress to prepare and deliver the same that it be recommended to the people of the united states to wear crape on the left arm as a mourning for thirty days that the president of the united states be requested to direct a copy of these resolutions to be transmitted to mrs washington assuring her of the profound respect congress will ever bear to her person and character of their condolence on the late affecting dispensation of providence and entreating her assent to the interment of the remains of general washington in the manner expressed in the first resolution that the president be requested to issue his proclamation notifying the people throughout the united states the recommendation contained in the third resolution these resolutions passed both houses unanimously and those which would admit of immediate execution were carried into effect the whole nation appeared in mourning the funeral procession was grand and solemn and the eloquent oration which was delivered on the occasion by general lee was heard with profound attention and with deep interest throughout the united states similar marks of affliction were exhibited in every part of the continent funeral orations were delivered and the best talents of the nation were devoted to an expression of the nation's grief to the letter of the president which transmitted to mrs washington the resolutions of congress and of which his secretary was the bearer that lady answered taught by the great example which i have so long had before me never to oppose my private wishes to the public will i must consent to the request made by congress which you have had the goodness to transmit to me and in doing this i need not i cannot say what a sacrifice of individual feeling i make to a sense of public duty the monument however has not been erected that the great events of the political as well as military life of general washington should be commemorated could not be pleasing to those who had condemned and who continued to condemn the whole course of his administration this resolution although it passed unanimously had many enemies that party which had long constituted the opposition and which though the minority for the moment nearly divided the house of representatives declared its preference for the equestrian statue which had been voted by congress at the close of the war the division between a statue and a monument was so nearly equal that the session passed away without an appropriation for either the public feeling soon subsided and those who possessed the ascendancy over the public sentiment employed their influence to draw odium on the men who favored a monument to represent that measure as a part of a general system to waste the public money and to impress the idea that the only proper monument to the memory of a meritorious citizen was that which 
the people would erect in their affections resting place of george and martha washington at mount vernon dying december fourteenth seventeen ninety nine the body of washington was placed with simple but impressive ceremonies in the old family vault from which it was removed in eighteen thirty one to a tomb of plain brick construction near a wooded ravine a short distance from the house behind an iron grating may be seen the two sarcophagi which contained the mortal remains of george washington and his wife martha general washington was rather above the common size his frame was robust and his constitution vigorous capable of enduring great fatigue and requiring a considerable degree of exercise for the preservation of his health his exterior created in the beholder the idea of strength united with manly gracefulness and character his manners were rather reserved than free though they partook nothing of that dryness and sternness which accompanied reserve when carried to an extreme and on all proper occasions he could relax sufficiently to show how highly he was gratified by the charms of conversation and the pleasures of society his person and whole deportment exhibited an unaffected and indescribable dignity unmingled with haughtiness of which all who approached him were sensible and the attachment of those who possessed his friendship and enjoyed his intimacy was ardent but always respectful his temper was humane benevolent and conciliatory but there was a quickness in his sensibility to anything apparently offensive which experience had taught him to watch and to correct in the management of his private affairs he exhibited an exact yet liberal economy his funds were not prodigally wasted on capricious and ill-examined schemes nor refused to beneficial though costly improvements they remained therefore competent to that expensive establishment which his reputation added to a hospitable temper had in some measure imposed upon him and to those donations which real distress has a right to claim from opulence he made no pretensions to that vivacity which fascinates or to that wit which dazzles and frequently imposes on the understanding more solid than brilliant judgment rather than genius constituted the most prominent feature of his character without making ostentatious professions of religion he was a sincere believer in the christian faith and a truly devout man as a military man he was brave enterprising and cautious that malignity which was sought to strip him of all the higher qualities of a general has conceded to him personal courage and a firmness of resolution which neither dangers nor difficulties could shake but candor will allow him other great and valuable endowments if his military course does not abound with splendid achievements it exhibits a series of judicious measures adapted to circumstances which probably saved his country placed without having studied the theory or been taught in the school of experience the practice of war at the head of an undisciplined ill-organized multitude which was impatient of the restraints and unacquainted with the ordinary duties of a camp without the aid of officers possessing those lights which the commander-in-chief was yet to acquire it would have been a miracle indeed had his conduct been absolutely faultless but possessing an energetic and distinguishing mind on which the lessons of experience were never lost his errors if he committed any were quickly repaired and those measures which the state of things rendered most advisable were seldom if ever neglected inferior to his adversary in the numbers in the equipment and in the discipline of his troops 
it is evidence of real merit that no great and decisive advantages were ever obtained over him and that the opportunity to strike an important blow never passed away unused he has been termed the american fabius but those who compare his actions with his means will perceive at least as much of marcellus as of fabius in his character he could not have been more enterprising without endangering the cause he defended nor have put more to hazard without incurring justly the imputation of rashness not relying upon those chances which sometimes give a favourable issue to attempts apparently desperate his conduct was regulated by calculations made upon the capacities of his army and the real situation of his country when called a second time to command the armies of the united states a change of circumstances had taken place and he meditated a corresponding change of conduct in modelling the army of seventeen ninety eight he sought for men distinguished for their boldness of execution not less than for their prudence in counsel and contemplated a system of continued attack the enemy said the general in his private letters must never be permitted to gain foothold on our shores in his civil administration as in his military career ample and repeated proofs were exhibited of that practical good sense of that sound judgment which is perhaps the most rare and is certainly the most valuable quality of the human mind devoting himself to the duties of his station and pursuing no object distinct from the public good he was accustomed to contemplate at a distance those critical situations in which the united states might probably be placed and to digest before the occasion required action the line of conduct which it would be proper to observe taught to distrust first impressions he sought to acquire all the information which was attainable and to hear without prejudice all the reasons which could be urged for or against a particular measure his own judgment was suspended until it became necessary to determine and his decisions thus maturely made were seldom if ever to be shaken his conduct therefore was systematic and the great objects of his administration were steadily pursued respecting as the first magistrate in a free government must ever do the real and deliberate sentiments of the people their gusts of passion passed over without ruffling the smooth surface of his mind trusting to the reflecting good sense of the nation for approbation and support he had the magnanimity to pursue its real interests in opposition to its temporary prejudices and though far from being regardless of popular favour he could never stoop to retain by deserving to lose it in more instances than one we find him committing his whole popularity to hazard and pursuing steadily in opposition to a torrent which would have overwhelmed a man of ordinary firmness that course which had been dictated by a sense of duty in speculation he was a real republican devoted to the constitution of his country and to that system of equal political rights on which it is founded but between a balanced republic and a democracy the difference is like that between order and chaos real liberty he thought was to be preserved only by preserving the authority of the laws and maintaining the energy of government scarcely did society present two characters which in his opinion less resembled each other than a patriot and a demagogue no man has ever appeared upon the theatre of public action whose integrity was more incorruptible or whose principles were more perfectly free from the contamination of those selfish and unworthy passions which find their nourishment in the conflicts of party having no views which required concealment his real and avowed motives were the same 
and his whole correspondence does not furnish a single case from which even an enemy would infer that he was capable under any circumstances of stooping to the employment of duplicity no truth can be uttered with more confidence than that his ends were always upright and his means always pure he exhibits the rare example of a politician to whom wiles were absolutely unknown and whose professions to foreign governments and to his own countrymen were always sincere in him was fully exemplified the real distinction which forever exists between wisdom and cunning and the importance as well as truth of the maxim that honesty is the best policy if washington possessed ambition that passion was in his bosom so regulated by principles or controlled by circumstances that it was neither vicious nor turbulent intrigue was never employed as the means of its gratification nor was personal aggrandizement its object the various high and important stations to which he was called by the public voice were unsought by himself and in consenting to fill them he seems rather to have yielded to a general conviction that the interests of his country would be thereby promoted than to an avidity for power neither the extraordinary partiality of the american people the extravagant praises which were bestowed upon him nor the inveterate opposition and malignant calumnies which he encountered had any visible influence upon his conduct the causes to be looked for in the texture of his mind in him that innate and unassuming modesty which adulation would have offended which the voluntary plaudits of millions could not betray into indiscretion and which never obtruded upon others his claims to superior consideration was happily blended with a high and correct sense of personal dignity and with a just consciousness of that respect which is due to station without exertion he could maintain the happy medium between that arrogance which wounds and that facility which allows the office to be degraded in the person who fills it it is impossible to contemplate the great events which have occurred in the united states under the auspices of washington without ascribing them in some measure to him if we ask the causes of the prosperous issue of a war against the successful termination of which there were so many probabilities of the good which was produced and the ill which was avoided during an administration fated to contend with the strongest prejudices that a combination of circumstances and of passions could produce of the constant favor of the great mass of his fellow-citizens and of the confidence which to the last moment of his life they reposed in him the answer so far as these causes may be found in his character will furnish a lesson well meriting the attention of those who are candidates for political fame endowed by nature with a sound judgment and an accurate discriminating mind he feared not that laborious attention which made him perfectly master of those subjects and all their relations on which he was to decide and this essential quality was guided by an unvarying sense of moral right which would tolerate the employment only of those means that would bear the most rigid examination by a fairness of intention which neither sought nor required disguise and by a purity of virtue which was not only untainted but unsuspected End of chapter four part four End of the life of washington volume five by john marshall